0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org.
1: Our men's conference comes up the last weekend, last full weekend of this month. It's at uh, Camp Tejas and Giddings. We'd love to have you men join us. Today is the last day for you to pre-register online. Uh, after that, you've got to register at the conference, I believe. And uh, the speaker this year is a guy named Ben Stewart. Ben, if you're an Aggie, uh, he was the guy. There you go. Got a couple of you guys know how to whoop. Um <laughs> So he was the speaker at Breakaway for a number of years, and then he went with Louis Giglio to found Passion Church in Atlanta, and now he's a pastor of Passion Church in D.C., so we're delighted to have him uh, to be with us. It's going to be a real challenge. If you're a guy and haven't been to a men's conference, uh, just come. We're a bunch of guys growing in Christ, loving Christ. We don't stand around whole hands, sing kumbaya, and throw logs in the fire. But we do manly stuff. We have a great time together. And uh, we eat a lot of bluebell ice cream on Saturday night. So it's a, it's a marriage made in heaven. For us, uh, my prayer is to be there. Uh, towards the end of the week. TBC Introductions uh, takes place at 11 o'clock next Sunday. There's information in both If you're new to TBC, it describes a lot of who we are. Uh, we'll be, David Richardson will be leading that, one of our pastors, and uh, talk about some of our distinctives and beliefs. And then at 12.30 next Sunday, if you want to find out how to be part of a small group, we have some small group leaders who are there. It's an opportunity for you to uh, meet small group leaders and find out how to be part of one of those groups. And finally, a big thank you for your generosity. Um, As you know, we've been in a building transformation stage for many, many months, actually years. And it has been about four years in coming. Uh, We built the Creekside building so we could vacate this area to accommodate kids. And by God's grace, we've done that. Well, through your generosity over the last couple of years uh, in this process, nobody's come to your door to take a pledge or to raise money. It's just through your generosity week after week, week after week for the last couple of years. Uh, That project was about $3.7 million. uh, With the year in giving, this year we're able to retire that entire debt in two years. We thought about large staff bonuses instead of retiring debt, but we decided not to do that. Anyway, we're so grateful. We are humbled and grateful for your response to the gospel. We believe God's work done in God's way will not want for God's supply and he's gonna move your heart to give because that's what believers do. And it's gonna be give of your time, your talents, and your treasures. And so we don't take that lightly. We seek to be good stewards of every penny that walks uh, through this door. The other thing through God's grace, through your generosity, Um, In the area of missions, we give 20% right off the top of our general fund to global and local outreach. And uh, this year will be right under a million dollars, right at a million dollars that goes to missions. That's an amazing, amazing thing. So we want to say thanks to you and thanks to God. for that. Father, we are humbled and we're grateful. And we pray that our eyes remain fixed upon Jesus as we preach and teach truth and impact the culture of Central Texas for our Savior. To joy, to labor together with this body in Christ's name. Amen. By the way, next week we begin a series called Disconnected. Uh, we are the most electronically connected, but perhaps disconnected culture. And so we're going to look at uh, gospel-centered relationships, relationships within the family, within the flock, within friends, and we're going to talk about uh, what that looks like. So it's a great opportunity for you to invite friends uh, to join us, to join you while uh, we go through this series. It'll be 13 weeks. We're going to look at things like uh, husbands and wives and and uh, singles, and uh, we'll be looking at uh, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We're going to do it all and uh, walk through that series together starting next Sunday. Well, I've had the same New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys make New Year's resolutions? Let me see your hands. So I was supposed to preach this. No, nobody. I'm the only one. <laughs> Anybody make a New Year's resolution? Five of us, okay? Now we're there. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was supposed to preach this message last week if you weren't here. Uh, I got sick, ended up at the Scott and White Bed and Breakfast for a couple of nights on the hill. And uh, it's a great way to lose a few pounds, which I'm trying to do. And that's been my New Year's resolution. We came here in 1981. My resolution, my battle cry in 81 was 181 and 81. That was what I wanted to do. Uh, I never sniffed 181 then. I weighed 181 pounds in about the fifth grade, to be honest with you, so... In fact, I told you, when I got cancer, I lost four ounces. I took my eye out, and that's it. No more than that. So now it's 219. So my battle cry, my resolution of 219 and 19. That's a little more realistic, but really, I'm waiting for the year 2035 to come around. It's going to be a whole lot easier to meet that goal, okay? So it reminds me of a story of a lot, two ladies. are in church right after New Year's, and uh, the pastor said, I want you to turn and share your New Year's resolution with the person next to you. So one lady turned to the other lady. She said, my resolution is to lose all the weight I gained when I had my baby. And the other lady said, well, that's mine too. That's amazing. So the first lady said, uh, how, when, how old is your baby? And she said, five weeks old. She said, how old is your baby? 15 years old, she said, 15. <laughs> Uh, Here's what I think about resolutions. It may be losing weight, exercising, staying in a budget, having a budget, less TV, less device time, more family time, fulfilling your bucket list, being a part of a small group, starting a small group, reading the word, I challenge every year to be a man or woman of the word of God. Bev and I have been going through uh, the word annually, the Bible in a year for a number of years now, and I just challenge to be part of the word. Here's what I would say. Don't make resolutions. Have a heart transformation that brings about habits that honor God. So what are those things? What are those things? So that was my introduction last week. It's my introduction this week as well. Uh, But what I want to talk about is the same thing I would have talked about last week. TBC in the past, TBC in the present, and TBC in the future. TBC in the past, TBC in the present, TBC in the future. So I want to begin by saying when Paul writes in Philippians chapter one, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all. This is Philippians 1, 3 through 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul's looking at the, the church of Philippi. He said, from the very beginning, we stand on your shoulders. You are the ones who have paved the way for us. We give thanks for the work that you have done. And so what I want to do is talk about the past a little bit. Years ago, we developed a mission statement. The mission statement is Temple Bible Church exists to glorify God through fulfilling the Great Commission. We want to be a Great Commission Church. We want to do that by evangelizing the lost, establishing the young, equipping the growing, extending the mature. For for many, many, many many times I've challenged you, God has given you a sphere of influence. That sphere of influence is the neighborhood you live in. That sphere of influence is the place that you work. That sphere of influence is the family you're a part of. That sphere of influence are the parents of the other kids whose kids play on your soccer team, your your basketball team, whatever it is. You have a sphere of influence. I pray that as the ambassador of Jesus Christ that he's appointed you to be, that you're impacting that sphere of influence for the Savior. I, I pray that you speak of our Savior I pray that you look for opportunities to honor the Savior with those that you're around, and I pray that you're one who talks about what Christ has done in your life. It's a great opportunity we have, so we unabashedly desire to fulfill the Great Commission by doing these things. About 11, 12 years ago, we planted Grace Bible Church in Colleen. When that happened, we had to look at what are some of the distinctives of TBC that we desired to see replicated in a church that we would plant. And so we begin to look at some of our distinctives. And we came up with a list like this. Loving God and loving others, which comes right out of Jesus with the rich young ruler. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We want to have relevant expository teaching. Now, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm listening to preaching and I'm thinking, I wish that guy would shut up. And it's me talking. So sometimes it's not so relevant. We try to be expository, taking the truths of the word of God and delivering to you. Contemporary celebratory worship The centrality of the word of God Elder rule, we're not a congregational rule church We're an elder rule church You're going to meet the elders at the end of this service Global and local outreach We have committed to take the gospel of Jesus Christ Locally and around the world Um, Emphasis on making disciples Equipping saints, grace-based growth We don't want this to be a church That moves people towards uh, through legalism and moralism We want heart transformation that changes things That's what we want to be about So those are some of our distinctives. Now, TBC, many of you probably don't know the history. Bible Chapel, we stand on the shoulders of a lot of people, just like at the Church of Philippi. Paul says, I commend you for your work in the gospel from the first days till now. We stand on the shoulders of some pioneers, actually. In 1971, there were a group of people that wanted to begin a non-denominational Bible teaching church in Central Texas. In 1971, that was an anomaly. 1971, there were not many non-denominational churches, certainly not Bible churches in in central Texas, but most places actually. And, And so there were a group of pioneers in those early years that set out to do that. And so from 1971 to 1981, they had a church called Bible Chapel that morphed into Temple Bible Church just before we came here in 1981. Our family moved here in 81. Bev and I were 26 years old at that time. We had two kiddos. One was two months old, one was three months old. And by God's grace, he brought us to a group of people who loved Jesus. And then he began to move people to our community who loved Jesus. And the growth began. And you can take a look around and see what God has done over those years. It's been an amazing, amazing journey. In our early years, there were more crickets in the, in the building than there were people. You know, in central Texas, August and September, those crickets show up. We were on cricket patrol all the time, cleaning up crickets at the Carpenters Union Hall where we met in those early days. Then we moved from the Carpenter Union Hall, which is right across from Christ Episcopal downtown, to the Mabren Center. We met on the side rooms of the Mabron Center because there weren't enough of us to go in the middle room. So there were about 150, 200 of us that called TBC home at that time. And uh, then in 1986, we built our first building on this property. Right now, we have about 11 acres. Back then, we had three acres, a long, skinny strip of property. And our first building is what the lobby and nursery is right now. That was our whole first facility. Uh, I'll never forget, I walked in there the first day we moved in that building. There were 300 seats in there. This auditorium has 1,200 seats. 300 seats. I walked in there and I bowed my hand and said, God, maybe we've made a mistake here. We will never have 300 people in Central Texas in a Bible church. What are we thinking? Within six months, we're in two services. And as near as we can tell right now, they're about, we don't do church membership per se, but... Just based on uh, the numbers we have, there are about 4,000 people, active people, that call TBC home. I'm glad you don't all come on the same Sunday because it would be total mass chaos if that ever happened. I wonder how many of you here today attended TBC either in the Carpenters Union Hall or the Maben Center. Would you stand up? These are the shoulders of people we stand on. Anybody here this hour? Carpenters Union Hall or the Maven Center? Wow, not many of us here. Look at this. These are the shoulders we stand on right here right here. How many of you have only worshipped in this auditorium? You were never in the other building over there, only this auditorium. Would you stand up? Would you stand up? Take a look around. Wow. That's amazing. Look at that. Let's thank God for all these people. Look at that. So God has done a work. It's an amazing work. When we met over there, uh, we were so crowded. Uh, oftentimes, if you, if you came late, you sat in the kitchen. And we put a speaker in the kitchen. We raised the metal door that divided the kitchen from the, uh, the, the room we had over there, the auditorium we had over there. Set 300 people. We're doing three services eventually, Saturday night to Sunday morning. And then God allowed us to build this facility that we could all move in together. And we say, to God be the glory great things he's done. The past is a rich past. And we're blessed. We're blessed. God is blessing not only TBC, but he's blessing other churches in the area. That's the second building we had. Uh, We used to, we have always had a lot of kids. We used to cage them in the early days. I mean, you can see we have more kids and we had helpers and uh, we actually had four sets of those cages. Probably they're outlawed now, uh, but they worked really well back in the day. I'm telling you, You just throw a bunch of kids in there, put the thing down, give them some toys and not worry about them and uh this is our opening day in this auditorium we had uh, uh we just came to worship together and dedicate this building to the glory of god our brother charles cooper said i pray this place doesn't become a museum but that you use it and god has let us use this building and all these facilities in a great way uh, many of you are new in the last uh, as you stood up many of you are new in the last three four five years and uh, god continues to work he brings us college students like many of you over here. He, he brings us medical students. He brings us residents. He brings us new people into our community. And most importantly, we see people come to know Jesus. We want to be about the gospel. And uh, this is the last baptism we had. And uh, we're, we're just grateful for all the work that God has done. So what we say is we give thanks for the past. We give thanks for everything God has done in the past. I thank my God every time I remember you as a pastor, it's been a privilege to be in the same place for 37 plus years. And when I think those people that stood up at first, man, we stand on their shoulders. And I'm so grateful for all these men and women who have been faithful for so, so many years. So what about the present? Well, last week I prepared my message and uh, I was going to do the core values. Uh, Chase got a call at 11 o'clock Saturday night when I had to go in the hospital and he preached on the core values. I don't know if you use my notes or use your own, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, He used his own, actually. Uh, He did that. So I'm not going to regurgitate those things. You heard him. He did an excellent job. I listened to it online. Just a phenomenal job at the 11th hour. So I told the elders, I think here's what I'd like to do today. Over the years, the last five years, we've had a lot of people say, hey, would you ever have a time when you brought Bev up and had somebody interview you guys and talk about what God has done on this journey in your lives? And so here's what I really request of you. We don't want you to focus on us. We should focus upon our Savior. We're going to share a little bit of our journey because the present impacts all of us here, and so we're going to share that. But really, the desire of Bevanai's heart, and you know us well, is not to be the center of attention and not for this to be a focus upon us, but upon what God has done in our lives. So, uh, my bride of forty-two years had a birthday yesterday. Would you welcome her to the stage? She, Austin, my you. She actually came to the 8:50 hour for the first time in her life today.
2: So if I look a little sleepy, that's why.
1: <laughs> and I think she said for the last time in her life today. People ask if she's ever been to Easter sunrise service, and your answer is:
2: If God wanted me to go, it would make it later in the day.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is also our dear brother Austin Skaggs. Austin is one of our elders, and uh, so we put together some questions, uh, and Austin's going to do the interview and. We may go off script some, but uh, mostly we're going to stay to a script that we have. I'm going to warn you, uh, I'm the crier in our family. You guys know that. Uh, I didn't think this would be emotional. It's been emotional the last two hours. And uh, so I'm a two-hanky guy at a John Wayne movie. (laughs) And I'm Italian. And so I just bleed all over the place. And uh, and Bev is really the rock of Gibraltar here. So uh, when I choke up, she'll take over. Austin.
3: Well, thank you guys so much for this opportunity to do this. Uh, on behalf of all of us here, we just want to say how much we love you guys and, and thank you. Thank you first and foremost for the way that you have gone through this journey and made Christ the preeminent, that you exalted him through that process and shown us how to do that through tragedy. And then, and second, really given us the opportunity to kind of go on the journey with you and, and know what's going on. And so I think when when... All of us encounter tragedy. Uh, One of the things that we can ask ourselves quickly is, is God still good? Or is God good? Why does a good God let let evil things happen?
1: And so how have you all wrestled with that question? First thing I want to say is God is good, unequivocally. God's good. You know, he's taken us on a journey that, uh, honestly, I didn't want to go on. And uh, I hope nobody else has to go on. But we're not the only people in here who've been through suffering and pain and through disease. But the way God has wired me personally, um, I've never questioned his goodness in the midst of this. I I started off, it was a a bleak time the first four months, but but I knew God was good. I, I didn't question that. I'm privileged to be able to do what I love to do with people I love to do it with, and our staff team, elder and deacon boards, and leaders here. I'm privileged to have a bride who has stayed beside me for 42 years, 37 years of ministry here. Uh, We have two adult children who love Jesus and their spouses love Jesus. We've got six grandkids. Three of them know the Savior. Three aren't old enough yet, but uh, coming of age. And uh, I'm a blessed man. I mean, I am a blessed man. And so in the midst of that, how could I question God's goodness? When I look at what he's done in my life personally, when I look at what he's done in our family's life, when I look at his flock, um, I never want to be what Job's wife suggested Job became. You remember that, that scenario, guys? Um, it says, uh, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of pottery, scraped himself, and he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And I preached that sermon a few years back. You remember that? And I, I called it, When Not to Listen to Your Wife. <laughs> Curse God and die, she says. But Job, but Job said, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And guess when, when I read that, I recognize, Man, God has done so much to bless us. And if I ever doubt the goodness of God, I look at the cross. How can you question the goodness of God when you look at the cross. Babe?
2: Yeah, for me, I think a lot of times we don't look at the big picture. Oftentimes we forget that the way the world the way it is now is not what God intended for mankind. If you remember in Genesis, God created a garden, uh, the Garden of Eden where there was luscious fruit for man, Adam and Eve to eat from, and he and God um, had this intimate relationship with Adam and Eve where they walked together, they, they talked together, and they enjoyed fellowship with God and, and with each other. And yet there was an advocate in that garden. There was an evil one who wanted to trick them into distrusting the heart of their father. And so I kind of think of it as, you know, him just wooing them and saying, did God really, you know, is he really good? Is he holding? I think he's holding out on you. And so they gave in and, and believed the lie. And they ate from the tree. And God knew that if they did, that there would be death, spiritual death. And that was death of the intimacy that they had experienced before. And as a result, everything changed. The world was broken. And it was fallen. And now we have sickness. We have cancer. We have divorce. We have unfaithfulness and pornography and, you know, just trials of everything that you can imagine. But it's not because God is not good. And so when people ask me, are you mad at God? I say, no, I'm not mad at God because he's not my enemy. We've got to remember who our enemy is. That our enemy is the evil one. Mm-hmm. Satan, who does, wants us to not have a relationship with God and other people, he wants us, like Adam and Eve, to believe that God is holding out on us. So if I feel like God is holding out on me, that he's taking Gary Uh, away too soon I'm not trusting in his heart I'm not focusing on the many years that we've had and the blessings that we've experienced in these past five and a half years and so I'm not going to fall for that lie like Adam and Eve did and that's my question Mm -hmm. to you are you going to fall for that lie that God is holding out on you his heart is for your good and you can trust him
1: Philip Yancey wrote a book that we both read a number of years ago called Disappointment with God and in that he said Satan seeks for you to uh, question God in three ways. He wants you to ask the question, is God there? Does God care? Is God fair? He wants you to question God about those things. And he wants you to get in a place where you don't believe those things. But my friends, God is there. And God does care. And God is fair. And all you gotta do is look at the cross and see what he's done. And so, you know, as we've gone on this journey together, and with you, I mean, uh, I don't question the goodness of God. He's a good God. Like
3: that's exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for the the transparent way in which you share your journey with us, and, and you've done that from the from the pulpit, and you've done that in our relationship, and you've done that through other mediums like social media. Um, what about the personal side? How how have you or you two in your marriage wrestled
1: and weathered
3: this storm?
1: Yeah, at first I really struggled. If you guys were here five years ago, the first four months were hard. I mean, it was just hard. Um, we were building a house, we were moving. uh, I found out I had this disease. Uh, We have lived debt free, we had been debt free 100%, no payments of any kind for five years. We're building a house to accommodate my folks. We had inherited some money and so we used it for that purpose. And yeah, it was like an avalanche to be honest with you. And uh, and I struggled, I I just struggled. And uh, for those four months, I'm the eternal optimist. Today's good and tomorrow's better. Can't wait for tomorrow. And uh, I I didn't have back-to-back sleepless nights in my life. And uh, all of a sudden, I can't sleep. You guys watched me dwindle as much as I can dwindle. Uh, I lost 25 pounds in three months sitting in that front row. I'd sit there and cry through the worship. And it was just a hard time. But the love of God's people, the truth of God's word, a family that stood beside me and loved and cared for me, friends that would knock on my door and say, hey, we got this. I had two friends show up one day and say, just stop worrying about money. Said so if you go in the hospital, one guy said, I'm gonna pay your bill and the other guy said, I'm gonna pay off your house and I looked at them and said, You can't do that. You can't I, I couldn't accept that. And they were dead serious.
2: There were times when Gary would ask me to go over it again with me, you know, what, the, what our, bank, you know, our friend at the bank told us, and our, our friend who's managing our, our finances, and so I'd go over it with him, and then finally I'd say, I'm not going over it again, because you're just going to forget it.
1: <laughs> it. It was just a dark time, but you know, through God's people, God's word, through medication, I got on medication, which I'd never done in my life for four months, and, uh, God brought me out of the valley of the shadow of death. And we've lived with you for the last five years. After those four months, I can tell you that uh, there hasn't been a dark time. But we're celebrating God's goodness. Our family motto has become, every day is a gift from God. Enjoy it. And uh, we've tried to make the most of the last five years. We've taken numerous trips to Israel, leading tours. And every day I get up, I say, today's my favorite day. Today's my favorite day. Today, And it is. It's my favorite day. Today is my favorite day, guys, because God has us here. And uh, because of that he's good and as goodness we can enjoy the day that he's given us even if death is on the corner
2: as most of you know I walked through some dark days many years ago as I wrestled through the abusive past and all the memories that were coming up and you know there was uh, all kinds of <clears throat> abuse there was uh, mental illness suicide in, in my family background and so I had to wrestle through that and And really ask God, where were you when those bad things happened? And and as I pressed into him and just spent hours just seeking him and and listening to him, he began to show me that he was there for me and that he was wrestling and fighting for my soul and that he's he's (coughs) interested in the eternal things of this world. And so I found in worship that this was the bridge between heaven and earth, and I could go into his very presence and find comfort when I was in distress, and this was really stability for me. And
1: yeah, we did that, didn't we? I mean, we did
2: it together. Yeah. There were times when Gary would say, "Let's, babe, let's, let's worship," and we'd get on our knees and just go before the, the Lord and and begin worshiping. And when you do that, you get your eyes off of the circumstances, the things that you're going through, and you and then you see the Lord in His holiness and you see His glory shining through. And something mysterious happens, and you're able to return to joy. And there's just this joy that fills you. And uh, it's Psalm 108, one says, My heart is steadfast. Oh, God, I will sing. I will sing praise, praises even when, with my soul. That was the place that gave me stability. So five and a half years ago, when I heard that dreadful news, that the love of my life, my my partner, the person that I thought we were going to you know, grow old together, that he had a a horrible cancer that had no cure, Um, I could have been shattered, and I really would have been shattered if I didn't have that foundation that I knew that God was going to carry me through this. Now, that's not to say that I haven't cried buckets of tears. You know, there's days when, especially when we get some bad news, that the tears will come. But uh, I always remember that you know I don't want to lose this day. In fact, there was a day um, right in the beginning when Gary was he, he wasn't able to drive yet, so I was the driver. We were driving to Houston, and that's a pretty scary thought. I'm not a good driver. <laughs> uh, I haven't had too many wrecks, but I've had I've had some close calls. <laughs> and so I was driving, and we had just gone to see the doctor, and yet again, the doctor gave us no hope. Uh, the sweet doctor there, Doctor Satu, said, um, "She uh, she said, I'm sorry, but there's a 75% chance that Gary will die in the next five years, and there's there's really no cure. We've got some trials that you can try, but you know, just basically, kind of make some good memories. And so, as I left that office, I was just walking out, and I was um, saying." Satan, you will not steal my joy. You will not steal my joy, over and over. And then we got in the car and we're driving, and I'm trying so hard to, to to hold everyone up and to, you know, do everything right and be strong. My Our in-laws were living with us, and they were just devastated that their son, their first son that they loved so much was had this horrible cancer, and so they were crying a lot, and my children and grandchildren were, were grieving. And so, and Gary was, you know, just he was this wild, crazy person, and I didn't know who who he was, and, and, and the same person that I'd been when I was going through all my trials, <laughs> but um, I was trying so hard, and so I was driving the speed limit. I had my, you know, my speed control set, and then I see a police car up on a hill, and I think, well, I'm, I'm safe. I'm going to be okay because I'm, I'm driving the speed limit, and then but then I get a little too close to the truck in front of me before I I'd go around it, and the, the p- policeman pulled me over, and I just lost
1: it. She, she was so close to that thing, we scraped paint off of the Not back
2: of it, so. Not that close!
1: Not that close! He pulled us over because she was driving unsafely, is what he said. But, but at that time, uh, I had my eye taken out, and it's before I had a prosthesis. And so they just had this white spacer there. It, I look like a zombie, actually. I, mean, I call
2: it a zombie eye. I, I would look,
1: I'd look in a mirror and scare myself. I mean, it was really, <laughs> yeah. it was really bad. In so. fact,
2: when friends would come over, he'd say, Babe, I'm just going to ask him if it's okay if I leave the patch off. And I said, Don't ask him because they're going to say it's okay. But it's not. It's not.
1: <laughs> and so this poor police officer, I mean, he pulls her over. I'm on the passenger side. He comes over there. And I realized, I, I didn't think about it. I had the patch off at that time. So he walks up, sees a zombie. I takes three steps back is what he did when I got there. And she's just burst out wailing. And, and that's uh, so not like me. So not like her. And, and he heard our story. And he was a kind Christian gentleman who just said, just be safe, guys. Go home. And, uh, and I told nice.
2: Gary, I can't drive. You've got to drive. So I made him drive home. And I cried the whole way. I cried all night. And then, and then the next day I said, okay, God... I lost that day. I lost my joy. My joy was stolen. Today is a new day. Gary does not have metastasis. He's still feeling good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this day and, and count it as a gift. And that's what we've done ever since. So it,
1: that answers the question of, you know, what what's happened. We, we're just pressing to him and uh, they're hard days. You know, I mean, it, it just, you, you think about things, but overall, we say, man, God has been so good to us and we've we're blessed. Yeah.
2: Every time we get a bad diagnosis, it's it's almost like I'm afraid when you know some of the doctors call because I'm afraid it's going to be another bad bad news and and so I have some tears, but then I just resign myself to the fact that this is this is a good day. Gary's still feeling well. We're going to live this day to the fullest, and we're not going to lose it.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the the getting the news right, and over the last five years, there's been a, there's been a lot of news. And there's been a lot of change, and even over the last 18 months, there's been more change. And even in the last month, now there's even more change with the metastasis now not only being in the liver but the lung. Uh, Would you take us through your journey to England, kind of what that's like, and and what's next for you guys?
1: Yeah, just real quickly, uh, we leave on Wednesday for Southampton, which is south of London. We get treated, uh, leave on Wednesday, arrive Thursday, and uh, we've been blessed to have couples who volunteered to join us. And so... Uh, Mike and Tricia Neal who used to be here. Will join us, and uh, each trip we've had folks just volunteer to come with us, and that's a blessing to both of us, and especially Bev, because she's got an Uber back and forth at night from the hospital to a hotel. I, I'm in the hospital, so I don't realize a lot of this stuff. But uh, we go we go Wednesday, arrive Thursday, MRI Friday, blood work Friday, uh, have Saturday and Sunday to play and worship at a church there, and uh, then Monday we get admitted and get uh, the chemo dosage and. It, it's a it 's a serious procedure uh, it 's an interventional radiology procedure where they isolate the liver, uh, fill it up with a lethal dose of chemo actually if it went to other parts of my body, and uh, they wash that out and put through a filtration system and uh, so we 've got to get the liver under control. The lung mets typically grow slower, and uh, we've got we 're working on a game plan for that we 've got dear friends walking us through some possibilities with that so Uh, England's been different, though, Uh, so maybe a quick story, babe, we'll run out of time, so maybe a quick story of uh, maybe the last time we went to England.
2: Okay, the last time we were there, Gary was uh, in ICU and, uh, you know, just waiting for the nurse, and the nurse came in, and he said, hello, Mr. DeSalvo, are you fancying a wee?
1: (laughs) And and I looked at the dude, I mean, I'm in ICU thinking, I don't know what that guy just said. (laughs) So Bev was right there. I said, babe, what did he say?
2: I said, he wants to know if you need to go to the restroom.
1: <laughs> and uh, so it's different there. You know, you, you put on a gown and you, you actually walk down to the, I mean, there's no pre-op. You just walk down and get on the table. Uh, yeah,
2: there's one time that Gary's walking down. He's got his catheter hanging out on one side, and he's got this spa robe on and his flip-flops, and he's walking down to the theater for surgery. So
1: you've got anesthesiologists, <laughs> interventional radiologists, all the people with them, and they tell you hello, and you just lay on the table.
2: And the doctor came out, and he said, "This is DeSalvo. Gary is such a big bloke that we were able to give him the whole dosage." Oh, <laughs> <Well>, great!
1: <laughs> so their advantage is to being a big bloke you get all the medicine
3: whatever that means I don't know how to respond to that so. again I know we're running out of time but thank you so much for sharing how this journey has, has impacted you and your faith and being real about that um, you know, this is, not, this is not the last time by any means that we're going to get to talk like this. Uh, we're looking forward to years and years to come with you guys. And uh, we're, we have confidence that we have you for a very, very long time. But today, with, with, with us all together, what's the one thing that you would really want this body that loves you so much to hear or
1: know? So here's where I couldn't get through the last two hours. Just how much we love and appreciate you guys. Two... To be loved so much, cared so much, prayed so much. Oh, She's the talker. Yeah. I cry. Yeah, we're, s- <laughs> we're so, blessed. We,
2: we're so I mean, blessed. We're just grateful. I mean,
1: we're just grateful. We have been, we've got people around the world praying for us. We get, we've been given so much and cared for so much. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. Very humbling. Very humbling. We, we are givers, it's hard to be on the taking side.
2: I want to encourage all of you to, to recognize that, you know, that there will be trouble in this world. We live in a fallen world. But as believers, a lot of times we think that we're, we're safe, that we're not going to have those hard things. And so we're surprised when they come. Jesus said in, in John sixteen I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is not our home. And I know that many of you are going through your own struggles. And you're walking through this with, this, with us. And I want you to know that you can find joy in the loving arms of your father. Mm-hmm. Just like a little child when they're hurt and they go to a parent and they pick them up and they cuddle them in. And, and they make them feel like everything's okay. When we go to our, our Heavenly Father whose heart is for our good, when we go to him and allow him to comfort us, we are able to return to joy no matter what we're going through. And so I just want you to have hope. I really feel like God gave me a message to infuse hope into you.
1: Yeah, yeah my good friend Glenn Burnley went to be with the Lord this past year, and uh, last week of his life I went to his house and sat with him for a little while and said, uh, t- tell, me, tell me what's happening. And he said, you know, Gary, my body is weaker, but my faith is stronger. And uh, boy, if there's anything you pray for me, that that would be true for me as well. You know, God's given me a strong body and I'm grateful for that. I don't know if i ever mentioned to you, I love to <laughs> lift weights. I may have mentioned that somewhere. But, I know I, but uh, you know, God, God has blessed me with that. And I know that's not going to continue. And that's going to be hard for me. But uh, in the meantime, I want my faith to be stronger and deeper than ever before.
2: Tell me about the tug of war you're
1: in right now. Well, And I mentioned a couple of Sundays ago, you know, I feel like, in Philippians one, Jesus is pulling me with this hand to glory. And uh, well, he's pulling on that side. I'm pulling and on this and one. <laughs> I've got I've got people that love and care for me pulling the other way. And I believe what I preach, guys. To to live as Christ die is gain. And uh, we go to glory from here. We go to glory from here. Elders, would you come up and join us? So so what about the future? What's the future hold? Uh, we want to talk about an expectant and excited future. Uh, These men, would you thank these men coming up for the amount of time? I'm going to tell you guys, for the last five years, these men have met. We've prayed. We've met. We normally Mm -hmm. meet every three weeks. We've been meeting every two weeks. We've been talking about transitions. And we had to have a short-term transition in case I got real sick. We'd have a long-term transition. I'm either going to expire or retire, one or the other. Okay? (laughs) Uh, if God takes me to glory, we needed a plan. I'm 64, just turned 64. I told the elders, I'll do this I'm 67. And then we need a new lead teaching pastor. Well, uh, when I got my tasks, we realized we needed to speed that game up. And uh, so as long as God leaves me here, I'm going to stay in the role I'm in. But we felt like it was really important for us to uh, anoint the next person who's going to be in that role. We begin to look Inside the men who've been on our teaching team, and we've had some great men, they're growing in their craft, they're, they're, they're doing great jobs at what they're doing. You've heard from Dave Tate, Tim Cartwright, Shannon Sword, Chase Bowers, all these men have been preaching, and they challenge you from the word, and they're growing. So these men and myself, we've been in a lot of meetings where we talk about what happens when Gary dies, and uh, Tim Mixon had me dying weeks. Uh, he, he prayed one time, but a few weeks from now when Gary's gone, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So, uh, so we, we've had, actually, we've had a great time. These men have faithfully led this body. They faithfully led this body. And we stand shoulder to shoulder uh, to, to honor Christ together. These are good men. Love them. Let me come back here. So, you know, it's, it's hard to look at these guys because we have done so much together, and God has honored that. So, here's the great news. After many, many months of prayer after many, many months of uh, seeking the will of God, we're privileged to bring Chase Bowers up here who will eventually become the lead teaching pastor of Temple Bible Church. So Chase, come and join us brother. I did kiss him on the cheek, it's called a holy kiss is what that's called. Okay, uh, Chase is a dear, faithful brother. He, you've heard him up here. He has led our global missions effort for many years. Uh, he's just a faithful, godly man. He and Laura and their kids, just a good family. And uh, to be able to place the mantle of blessing over him is a high privilege for me. Um, what's going to change? Not a lot. Uh, as long as I'm here, uh, till I expire, retire, I'm going to continue the role I'm in, plan to preach 50% of the time. Uh, as I have for the last five years. We'll still have a teaching team intact. So you're not going to see a lot of changes here, but we just wanted, uh, while I'm able, to be able to say this is the man we feel like God has called to step into this role next. And so uh, that's where we are, and that's what's happening on the days ahead.
2: And I'd like to say something to everyone at Temple Bible Church. It's really hard when a beloved pastor has been in ministering for many years you grow to love him you become comfortable with his messages with his voice and you know his illustrations and the greatest gift that you can give to Gary DeSalvo and the elders and the leadership of this church is to embrace Chase as he comes on and to welcome him with open arms
1: So actually, Tim Mixon, and the guy who thought I was dying in weeks as the chairman of our Elder Board right now, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna we're gonna lay hands on Chase. And why don't you stand with us and place your hands in this direction as we do that?
0: I just want to say on behalf of the Elder Board how much we appreciate uh, Gary and Bev how y'all service us over the decades. Uh, we are so grateful for the staff that we have here. The entire staff is tremendous. Uh, many of y'all know, and many that you may not know behind the scenes. And we are so blessed here to have uh, such a talented and godly staff. And, and Chase, uh, we are so grateful to have you lead our, our uh, preaching team. And so uh, you'll pray with me as I pray, and uh, we'll just ask God uh, to continue to bless our body and to anoint Chase during this time. Father, we are grateful to you. We give you the praise and the glory for the work that you've done here at TBC, and we could go on and on about lives that have been changed and marriages that have been uh, founded on you or saved by you and, and children that have come to faith and people all around the world that have heard uh, your love and your grace uh, because of people that have been blessed through this body. And we are so grateful, and we give you the, the mm. praise and the glory for that. We thank you for Gary and Bev and just their tireless Uh, selfless service which is really to you father but we have been the beneficiaries of that of their teaching of their love of their kindness of their role models for us and we just thank you for the many decades of service and and whatever time father the 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 months and years left i thank you for their heart that will serve you until you give uh, them final breath Uh, We pray that you'll continue to bless them in in this journey. Thank you for the way it encourages us to see them walk through that. And we thank you so much for Chase and Laura and their family and for the way that you have gifted Chase and prepared him for this time uh, to uh, continue to teach and to even begin to lead our teaching team. We thank you for the entire staff team and the way that they Uh, love you and minister to us and we just ask that you would give chase especially now father wisdom and insight and truth and compassion and love uh, as he teaches uh, your word father and we pray that uh, your word will continue to be taught faithfully and truthfully and that we will be people of the book father Uh, that as you have spoken to us that we will hear and receive your words And uh, we thank you so much for that. Father, we pray in the coming months and years that you will continue to be honored and glorified here at TBC. In Christ's name I pray.
1: Amen. Amen. So my prayer, guys, is that the years ahead of us are the greatest years of the life of this body. Now unto you, O King, mortal immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Lord bless you.